On today's episode of Understanding Immigration, the wall at our southern border with Mexico. The new wall has been nearly 100% effective. And if more than 60 other countries around the world have some type of border barrier, why is there so much opposition in our own country to have one? It's one of the most effective ways at asserting your sovereignty. And so there's nothing wrong with constructing a border barrier and it's effective all around the world. Coming to you from Washington, D.C., you are now listening to FAIR's Understanding Immigration Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to our fourth episode of FAIR's Understanding Immigration Podcast. This is Matthew Tregesser, joined as always by Preston Hennikins from our lobbying team and Spencer Rayleigh from our research team. In this podcast series, we hope to educate you, our listeners, on a number of important and high-profile topics in the immigration world. Due to the COVID-19 outbreak, we're still recording our podcast remotely, but we are still excited to bring you a jam-packed episode today. We will be talking about the border along the U.S.-Mexico border. We'll talk about its importance, its history, and its overall role in the immigration debate today. So Preston, let me ask you first, what are the origins of this southwest border wall? Why and when was it built in the first place? Right. So the there was actually no border wall on our southern border uh, until um, really the mid-90s. Um, and it really hadn't been an issue that people had discussed or even cared about um, for years. So in the early 1990s, uh, President Bill Clinton made immigration really a centerpiece of his domestic platform. Uh, he frequently discussed the need for heightened border security uh, and for extra tools for the federal government to combat illegal immigration, which had become a huge problem at that point. And uh, very, very different from how it is today in the in the 90s and in the two early 2000s, uh, illegal immigration was largely restricted to young, single Mexican males who would just come work illegally in the U.S. Um, and then eventually settle here, which obviously is different from today, where you see a lot of asylum fraud and, and full families coming. So right. under President Clinton's leadership, the Congress, they allocated funding for about 75 miles of border fencing on the San Diego-Tijuana border. Um, and this is actually, you know, some of our listeners might recall what this looks like. This is the wall that extends out into the Pacific Ocean. Um, there's people on both sides of the wall because it's on a beach. Um, and that was really kind of the cornerstone of what our wall infrastructure became. And so there is a, there's close to about 2000 miles um, of the continental border between the U S and Mexico in 1993, they built that 75 miles essentially, and then stopped and nothing really happened um, until 2006 when representative Peter King, uh, a Republican from New York introduced the secure fence act and mm -hmm. the Secure Fence Act funded 700 miles of border fencing, uh, and it actually essentially modified um, President Clinton's Illegal Immigration Reform and Immigrant Responsibility Act, which was passed in 96. Uh, this was a really strong bipartisan bill. Um, it passed in the House with 64 Democrats um, voting with all the Republicans. Uh, and incredibly, in the Senate, it passed 80 to 19 um, and wow. some prominent senators at the time who voted for this bill for 700 miles of fencing included Joe Biden, who is now the presumptive Democratic nominee for president, uh, then Senator Hillary Clinton, who obviously was the 2016 candidate for the Democrats, uh, mm -hmm. Barack Obama, 
who was the last Democratic president, and Dianne Feinstein, um, who is still a very prominent Democrat on the Judiciary Committee. Uh, so it's pretty remarkable to see how, you know, a little bit over, you know, 10 years, how opinions have changed on the importance of the border fence. But, um, you know, after the Secure Fence Act was passed, they, they really built they, they built about 650 miles, um, which is about what we have completed today. And since then, there has been no successful effort uh, in Congress to allocate more funding for the border wall. Yeah, that, that's a pretty good summary uh, there, Preston. And I, I think it's really important for listeners to understand, and you obviously stress the importance of this, but just over 10 years ago, supporting a border barrier along our southwest border was a bipartisan measure. I mean, it, it was, as you mentioned, all those big names, Biden, Obama, Clinton. I mean, these people were fully on board with this. And now they essentially call, you know, walls inhumane, immoral, uh, ineffective. And, and it's really interesting to just see the shift that they've had basically to, to stymie Trump, um, but just to completely go against him in any way that they can. Now, you mentioned that, you know, there's only about 700 miles of fencing along our southwest border now, and we share about a 2,000 mile border with Mexico. Is the administration working to increase the number of miles of wall, and have they been successful uh, so far with it? Yeah, they've they've done their best uh, to go outside of Congress to build additional sections of the border wall for for the first really two years of the Trump administration. They were able to move around money to repair existing portions of the wall. Um, but obviously they ran into some issues trying to force through provisions in the appropriate appropriations packages for the Department of Homeland Security to get new money for, for new portions of the fence. And that led to a government shutdown. Um, and ultimately the president backed down and decided that he was just going to try to find avenues where he could siphon off money from the Defense Department or from other appropriations to to use existing money to pay for it. So they're they're building new sections of the wall, but it's going by very, very slowly. And ultimately, he's not going to be successful in his goal of trying to build new wall in places that it's needed uh, unless he's able to get it passed through Congress in an appropriations package. And yeah. you know, kind of you, you hit on this earlier because of how the wall is now so closely identified with president Trump, who is a deeply polarizing figure um, on the left. It's extremely unlikely that he, unless, you know, the Republicans take back the house and have a, significant majority in the Senate that he's going to be able to get the money that he wants and needs to finish the border wall. Right. Yeah. And that being said, I think uh, credit where credit's due, he has managed to complete 122 miles. Now, of course, most of that is replacing dilapidated old wall, but that was virtually ineffective. And the union for the Border Patrol agents is saying that the new wall has been nearly 100% effective at deterring illegal border crossings in the areas where they constructed it. And in the few cases where people do manage to make it over the wall, it's taking them so long that their border agents just basically sitting there waiting for them. But like like we had said, we have a nearly 2,000 mile, a nearly 2,000 mile border with Mexico and only getting 122 miles done where fair estimates that you need at least a thousand miles of border wall to be fully effective it's just not going to get done unless 
you can get appropriate provisions passed through Congress. Right. And that's kind of the sad thing is that we see that the border wall is incredibly effective where it's built. Um, the issue becomes that as long as there are areas that smugglers can just go around it, it's effective in the immediate vicinity, but it, it's not effective on the entire border. Um, and that's what yeah. we've seen historically is that anytime they build new sections of fence, that area, like Spencer brought up, becomes almost 100% effective at stopping illegal crossings. But the smugglers aren't stupid. They're just going to drive, you know, 70 miles to the east and just go that way. Yeah. So much of the existing wall now, you know, one of the things we hear so often is, well, there are already hundreds of miles of wall, but so much of the existing wall now is essentially nothing. It's either a vehicle barrier where you can stop and walk across, or it's wall that's so dilapidated that you can just you know, take a few tools to it and drive through it in a matter of minutes. So there's still a whole lot of work to be done, even though, you know, some progress has been made. Right. I think it's important to also note that, you know, people on whether you're on the left or right, they see the the price tag of the border wall and fair estimates that it costs anywhere between 15 and $25 billion. But, you know, at first glance, this might seem like a lot of money, but this is considerably smaller than what the cost of illegal immigration costs taxpayers in our country, which comes out to be about 116 billion annually, probably even um, higher now. But, you know, that's a, essentially a drop in the bucket compared to that. I mean, a, a one-time kind of cost of 15 to 25 billion versus 116 billion annually. I think um, that is something that needs to be emphasized more is that yeah. this is going to help deter illegal immigration, curb these illegal uh, alien numbers, and, you know, it's going to help U.S. taxpayers in the long run. Yeah, Matthew, I mean, I actually did the math on this a while back, and what we estimate now with, you know, an increase in illegal aliens, you know, it it's probably costing us closer to the area of $135 billion per year now. Mm -hmm. But even at the current cost of building the wall, which fair estimates could be as low as $15 billion or as high as... 25 billion plus the annual cost of maintaining and staffing it even with all those costs it would only take an estimated five percent decrease in the yearly cost of illegal immigration for the fence to pay for itself within five years so essentially you're talking a five-year investment here and after that you'll be saving billions every year of taxpayer right. money so if we want to have a discussion about oh how much is it going to cost you have to look at it in terms of long-term investment and really even not that long term. I mean, you're talking four or five years and this is going to be saving taxpayers billions of dollars. Right. And, and another kind of unspoken advantage of, of building a wall is the fact that it's going to funnel people into legal ports of entry. And when people are funneled into a legal port of entry, you know, they can get screened better, um, vetted better. And it doesn't even have to be a person. I mean, it could be a vehicle. I mean, if, if they could go through all these kind of checkpoints. I mean, obviously we're going to find dangerous narcotics or weapons or what have you, but I, I think that's one unspoken advantage of it is just that it, it's going to funnel people into these ports of entry that otherwise, you know, they just cross with nothing in their path. And that's, that's really important to bring up because one area where there is a bit of bipartisan support uh, in the immigration realm is the idea that we need to improve uh, screening at the border. You know, right now we don't actually screen a 
100% of the cars and people who cross the border every day. And so uh, recently, Dan Crenshaw, a Republican, and uh, Chetitl Torres Small, a Democrat, co-sponsored a bill that would increase CBP's ability to screen 100% of all people and vehicles coming through the border. And that would really have just untold advantages for stopping drug trafficking, for stopping human smuggling. And, you know, that becomes even more important if you are able to drive all traffic to the legal ports of entry. Yeah. Just to build on our last podcast, another benefit would be it would improve our ability to screen migrants coming that may have health issues. And, you know, that's why we're remote recording right now is, you know, because of the COVID-19 issue. And that's one thing that people are beginning to support more and more would be the issue of mandatory health screenings for uh, migrants coming into the United States. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that's something that you know obviously has to be taken into consideration. And going off of that and kind of going towards maybe the, the media perspective of, of things with the border wall, I, I wanted to discuss with you guys an organization called We Build the Wall that the media frequently talked about in the last year or so. And this organization is a nonprofit organization developed by an Air Force veteran named Brian Colfidge. And he essentially started this GoFundMe campaign where he wanted to launch two private border wall projects in New Mexico and Texas on private land so he could bypass, you know, the government and the restrictions associated with building on kind of public land. And in just three days, he raised $9 million. And uh, now he stands at $25 million with 500,000 unique donors. And that can build approximately 100 miles of border wall, according to the organization. Um, so I, it goes to show you, you know, citizens will take matters in their own hands when the government fails them. And I think it was a pretty cool idea that was, you know, kind of thought of in the last year or so. And, you know, maybe it's more symbolic or I don't know how you know effective the organization will be in the long run, but I, I think it was a, a neat story that the media talked about. And, you know, maybe our listeners out there could even you know look more into the organization themselves. Yeah, I think the uh, thing that impresses me most about the effort from We Build the Wall is the fact that they have, I think, right at half a million donors right now, which just shows a broad coalition of support to not only to support the wall, but to get it built and people that are so passionate about this issue that they're willing to back it up with their own, uh, with their own checkbooks. Right. And it's, you know, only $25 million, which obviously is nowhere near the 15 to 25 billion, but um, you know, every, every penny counts and it's, it's great to see the citizens of our country, you know, show public support for building a border barrier and, you know, trying to enhance the nation's national security. Yeah. And to kind of jump on this, there, there is an effort in Congress um, to allow private citizens to donate money to a special fund in the U.S. Treasury that would help build the wall. Um, it's called H.R. 32. Uh, buy a brick, build the wall act. Uh, and it's sponsored by um, representative Warren Davidson out of Ohio. And, you know, this would be, I think, even more powerful because it would allow people to donate directly to any government effort to fund the wall, um, which currently under law, you can't really do that. Um, so I think that would also really highlight how many people are serious about wanting to see this completed to the point where they're giving their own money to the government to do it on top of what they already pay in taxes every year. Yeah, that's definitely something uh, worth noting. And, 
you know, what I don't understand, and I, want, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this, is through just, you know, reading and kind of researching border walls historically around the world, I'm counting that there are more than 60 other countries that have some type of border barrier to show that they're a sovereign nation. And these include Western nations like Spain, France, even countries like India and Saudi Arabia. I mean, they have some type of border barrier to protect their borders. And if more than 60 other countries around the world have some type of border barrier, why is there so much opposition in our own country to have one? Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of these things that it's not controversial. It's something that countries uh, have used for centuries. And, and before that, it's what kingdoms would you, and all these kinds of things, you know, it's one of the most effective ways at asserting your sovereignty. And so there's nothing wrong with constructing a bear, a border barrier and it's effective all around the world. I mean, you saw what Hungary did where they built a wall on their border uh, with Croatia, I believe, to stop Middle Eastern uh, refugees and, and migrants from flooding into Hungary through the Balkan route. And it was almost 100% effective. Israel, for years, has had a wall with some of the Palestinian territories to prevent terrorist attacks. And very similarly, it's it's extremely successful. So I think what has happened in, in this country is that someone like Donald Trump, who, again, a very polarizing figure to people on the left, has really kind of set the terms of the wall argument to where I'm afraid that for years down the road, Democrats, uh, even moderate Democrats, may be afraid to touch this this issue of the border wall um, because they're afraid of being ostracized in their own party, even if they believe that it would be helpful in the long run. Yeah, and it's... As you noted, this has become a more and more partisan issue. I believe it was as recently as 2011. Yeah, it was in 2011 a poll was taken, and approximately 60% of Americans fully supported building a, a wall on the southern border. That number has come down a little bit, and I think the main reason for that is it's become such a partisan issue. Uh, the media has by far and wide become... Uh, dead set against it uh and as you noted Preston, even a lot of moderate democrats have taken this up as a uh as a point to oppose trump but the fact still remains gallup did a poll july of last year where 90 percent of americans said they believe there was at least a minor issue on the southern border and uh 70 of americans said it was either a major problem or a crisis so Americans still believe that something need to be done needs to be done at the southern border. Unfortunately, it's it's just partisanship and using and since it's such a major talk, uh, priority for Trump, using that to oppose him. And I think uh, because of that, a lot of people have just gotten on, on board with their identified party. Right. Great stuff as always from Preston and Spencer. That's all the time we have for today. Unfortunately, we hope that you've enjoyed today's episode on the U.S.-Mexico border wall. Join us next time. As a reminder, we'll be releasing a new episode every other Monday. This podcast is available on several platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can also visit our website, fairus.org, or our Twitter at Fair Immigration to access these episodes. Until next time, this has been Understanding Immigration presented by Fair.